Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Good Saturday morning. And I am Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby again today. So I will be here. I will be your friend for the next Two hours to help you with anything that you need around your house. Don't worry. I've got your back on everything. So for the next two hours, anything you need, you can give me a call. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And uh, got a lot of information, you know, piled up, ready to go today. But definitely want to kind of do what I normally do and just help out and see You know, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything, clarifications of something around the house, anything going on, feel free to uh, call in and uh, let's see if we can get that worked out for you. So really, you know, a beautiful day today, like they were just doing the weather and, and, you know, really nice out, sunny, you know, a great day to just kind of get up walk around your house, um, just take a really good look and see you know, what What do you see? What's going on? We've had those bad storms and everything. And, and you know, it's good to just walk around and, and just take a peek and make sure you don't notice anything out of place. You don't really need to understand how to build a home, you know, to kind of see some things that might bring up some questions, some thoughts. And, and maybe, you know, you can see if uh, check the roof, just kind of look up there, make sure it doesn't look like there's any dark spots or color change spots. Sometimes that's where those tabs might have blown off in that storm. We had a a lot of wind and, and a lot of wind damage and trees down. And, you know, our office has um, our Internet went down and um, we had power and everything, but the Internet went down and it's still not back up as of right now. Last time I checked an hour or so ago. So we're still trying to do our work and things. And it's hard to do things out and about if you don't have that access and you can't get into that office stuff. So. We're doing everything we can, but I'm sure they'll get all that working. So check out your house. Take a look around. Just make sure. Look indoors, too. You know, go down to your basement. Look around the sump pump. You know, look at your ceilings. Look in places you don't normally look, in the closets, stuff like that. You might, you know, just checking for any water stains on the ceilings, anything that might have gotten in or, you know, came in somewhere around that roof. That could be, you know, an indicator, too, if something, you know, looks different to you. So, Get out there, check it out, and take a look around. So um, speaking of the phones, let's get to our first caller already. We've got Robin on the line for us. Robin, what do you got going on today? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Oh, very Um, welcome. Thanks for calling. I have two questions. So the first one is um, I've been in my house about six years. It was new construction, and I sealed the driveway after the first year or two. And now I'm seeing divots, like little divots of driveway that have popped out. Uh-huh. So what? how was the best way to handle that? Well, let me ask you a question. What kind of sealer did you put onto that driveway? Can you see it? Is it like a topical where it kind of made the concrete darker? It did not. Okay, it did not. So it's probably one that goes more into the pores and, and it still has a clear look and everything. So, 
So you definitely have a good sealer that you put on there. Um, and that is one of the things that will help prevent some of those pops from happening. Um, but some of those could be kind of there and, and already in the concrete and, and almost ready to, to go or ready to pop out on you. So generally the cause of those are, are a couple things. Um, it's definitely moisture when moisture gets into the concrete. So the better you seal it and the more you keep the moisture out, the more it'll help that. But once it's been in there um, and we have some freeze-thaw cycles over winter, um, then it, you know, the moisture expands, it puts pressure on that concrete, and then as it, you know, goes back and, and warms up, it goes back down. So it does that, you know, every day through a lot of our winter days, puts a lot of pressure on the top surface of that concrete. So the other thing that kind of promotes that is the type of, of stone that they put inside of that, um, that concrete. So when that pop is out, do you see a little white rock in the bottom of that pop? I don't know the answer to okay, that. That's okay. Um, and it's what? most common around here. You know, the, the, the type of rock that they put in there is like a limestone. And depending on how good quality that is, the limestones are more porous than like a Merrimack gravel or something like that. But okay. it's more common that it's a limestone and that holds moisture. So that's why it happens. And really all you can do at this point is seal that concrete, keep it sealed to keep as much moisture out. It will not stop those pops from happening, but it might limit how many you get over the years. So what kind of sealer should I be using and how frequently should I seal it? So it's kind of a testing thing because if you use a really good sealer that's like a silicate base that kind of, you know, it's a clear sealer that you spray on and it goes down into the pores, that sealer, most of those sealers can last, you know, anywhere from like two to, to seven or even sometimes 10 years it depends a lot on exposure and stuff like that. So the real trick is um, testing it out every like every year and just kind of spraying that concrete a little bit or pouring you know a water bottle on it and seeing if it looks like that water's beating up or seeing if it looks like it kind of spreads out and soaks in to that concrete. If it's still okay. beating up, then you still have a good sealer on there and it's going to run a lot of that water out and not let as much in. If it's not, then it's time to reseal. Okay. And I shouldn't try to fill the pops with anything? No, you really, it won't hold. That's the problem is because it'll be a seam. So you can fill it with, with something, but it's kind of like you'd almost have to try and glue it at the same time like when you do a top coating they put like a glue on it and they put an adhesive into the concrete and they try and really get it to stick um, so any type of hydraulic cement or anything you put inside of one of those pops it's like a seam in the concrete the moisture will get in there the sealer won't keep the moisture from getting in between so they'll pop back out and it'll be a different color so it'll look just as bad as it probably does okay. now you know when you fill okay. it so i would leave them they're fine you know being out it's just you know keep keep that sealer going on and but i uh, need keep to reseal okay um can i ask you one more quick question sure okay 
I am having hard um, skates done in my backyard and expanding my patio. And one of the contractors wants to go over existing concrete and attach stone to that. And another contractor wants to dig out my existing contract, my existing concrete or patio and come in with a new base that's about 10 inches deep and do pavers um, uh-huh. from that versus doing natural stone that he would be adhesing to my existing patio. Your thoughts? So it depends on two things. Um, it, it will depend on the type of stone we're talking about um, and, 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 well, three things, really, how they're going to attach that stone and then how good is the concrete that's there. You know, is your existing patio, is it solid? Is it stable? Has it cracked or shifted or moved at all? Because if it has, you know, everything on top of it's only going to be as good as it. So if it wears out and you start having movement and stuff, you're better off taking that concrete out, doing that really good base like they're talking about. Now, if you're using like a big natural stone, like a blue stone or, you know, not a, not necessarily a paver, but like an actual stone. And if they're right. going to mortar that to the concrete and that concrete is a really good base that hasn't moved and you don't have issues with it. Um, then that's a good method to do too, because it'll be mortared on, you can seal it. So that'll help, you know, keep the moisture and stuff out and that, that will make a good solid base, you know, for like a natural stone. But if you're going to pavers, I dig it out, do that rock base and everything like they're talking about. If it's, if it's kind of a stone and if it's going to be mortared, I'd consider as long as that concrete's in good health, then going over top of it would be fine. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. You're very welcome. A couple of really great questions, Robin. I appreciate it. And uh, I think we will uh, ask Gary if he can hold the line through the break here. We'll get into our first break, and then we can have some time for uh, Gary when we get back. We can fit him in and get some good answers for him. And for everybody else out there, if you've got anything, feel free to give us a call, 314-436-7900. We'll be right back. Work or play, KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go. All right, we are back having a grand old time. We got two hours of this still, guys, an hour and 45 minutes left. So get in on the conversation, get in on the fun, join me, and let's uh, let's talk about what's happening around your home. Feel free to give me a call, 314-436-7900. And uh, let's go to, I'm going to use Scott's thing, let's go to Scott's friend, Gary. Um, I guess maybe he's my friend this weekend, but hey, Gary, you there? What do you got for us? Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for the taking my call. I've got uh, an issue. I believe I have squirrels in my attic. Oh, wow. Okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, I heard some kind of scratching up there. And I've got several access points, but I don't have any easy access to go up there and check myself. I'm a little, little up there in years. Um, I was just wondering, is there one company that I can call, and it might have been answered during the commercial break, um, that I can call to uh, check the attic? get rid of the squirrels if they're up there, check for damage, and find out where they came in and get that part fixed? Or do I have to call several different contractors for that? Well, you'll probably need uh, 
the the pest guy and then a different contractor, unless it's something super easy that they can block off or something. Generally, what's happened is they'll they'll find it, they'll figure it out, they'll find where they're coming in and out, they'll set traps to catch them, um, and and they'll literally put like a trap on the access that that will you know kind of like a mouse trap. It, it will you know take one of those squirrels out at that trap. Um, but then once you know where they're coming in and out and they and they capture them and they get rid of the squirrels, then usually you got to get somebody like our company, Mosby Building Arts, to come out and look at how they showed you how they were getting in and do any siding, soffit, fascia, whatever kind of repairs you need to yeah, cover up. Yeah, I think up. I have where the, where the roof, you know, you have, your, you have your points and where the points come down. And the other, the regular roof goes up to meet it. Yep. It kind of looks like it, it's not right uh, yeah. going in there. It's like dark and I can't see underneath that underneath that uh, line of the roof. And I'm thinking they're probably getting in that way somehow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and they'll be able to kind of find that. They'll look in the attic. They'll look around the outside of the house and they'll, you know, once the squirrel problem is taken care of, um, and I've seen uh, the mole hunter um, do a lot of that work in the past um, where he'll capture the squirrels and stuff. I actually had a, a client, I looked at her house one time, and they were actually trapping those squirrels, and and there was a squirrel tra- trapped, like caught in the, in the trap where they were entering and exiting, and, and so I said, well, I'll call them. I said, because we deal with them all the time. I'll call them and let them know there's one there, and I guess they'll, they'll come get it out or do whatever they need to do. And when I called them, they said, well, we'll call her back because we won't come get that for a couple days. Oh. And, and they literally said they wanted to leave it there. So it's kind of like doing, yes, doing something with the scent and all of that and making the other ones know like, okay, this is a bad location now. And I was like, oh, wow, you're going to leave this dead squirrel hanging from her house for two days. All right. I guess that's the best way to go, you know. But, but yeah, so my, they my, know what they're uh, doing. A friend gave us a, uh, a, a wildlife number or something like that to, mm-hmm. for critter control or something like that. But I just didn't know if there was, if there was other, than, other than that, if there was a pest removal or something that would be able to handle all in one. You know, see if the see if the insulation is damaged up there, and then close off, fix the roof, or whatever the soffit or whatever is underneath there to make sure it's there's no access anymore. Yeah, but usually you're saying, uh, probably separate contractors. Yep, usually it's separate contractors. Now a lot of them, Rottler and and a lot of them, will do the insulation because oh, okay. they do you know have insulation that it, not for squirrels but for insects and stuff that has you know, deterrents and, and pesticides in there for the, for the insects. So some of the companies will do the insulation if it's needed. Uh, and okay. It's a good insulation for not having silverfish and all that stuff going on in, inside your attic. Well, that might kill two birds with one stone yeah, then too. Exactly. It very well uh, can. But most of them that I know of, they'll come to someone like us to say, Yep, here's what's going on outside. Now that we've taken care of that problem, get that fixed as soon as possible. But if you capture squirrels, if you catch them in a cage and you drive them five miles away, they will find their way back. 
Oh, I don't. That wouldn't do any good anyway. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of squirrels in our neighborhood. I could never catch all of them. Yeah, they find <laughs> the scent. They they know where they've been. They know where their relatives are. And they, I've heard them. People say they've driven them four or five miles away and end up with the same yeah. one again. That yeah. wouldn't <clears throat> that wouldn't work here. Yeah. But uh, oh, uh, one last question: Do do any of these places like since it's going to be kind of complicated to get up in the attic? Do they? Uh, I heard free estimates. Do they do stuff like that? Um, I or believe did? so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, you've been a, you've been a big help. I appreciate your help on all this. Yeah, absolutely. No problem whatsoever. Um, and that is definitely a very common problem, you know, going on around in our area for sure with all of the squirrels and, you know, like the big trees we were talking about coming down from the storms, they are definitely, something to handle and to uh, keep around. So appreciate the call, Gary, a very good question and a very common concern with everybody. So I would, you know, advise everybody too to kind of, you know, kind of that walkabout I was talking about, take a look around. Uh, You might see things like that. Take a listen too, because sometimes just kind of listening, when you hear something, you can hear those things in your attic, you can hear you know, things going on. So, so listening well and really, you know, paying attention to what's going on around your home and everything is a very, you know, great, great common thing to do to keep up the maintenance on your home, at least alert you to get professionals to look at the things you need looked at, you know, as you see them. And if you, if you want some more ideas, some more information on things like that here at Mosby, we have a, uh, webinar coming up. So we've taken our our old seminars we used to do. We used to bring everybody to our office. So we have this great training room that we could set everybody up in and do these seminars. Well, for the past year and a half or so now, obviously, we've turned that into webinars on the internet. So if you want to learn anything about your siding, anything exterior, windows, roofing, doors, We've got the Mosby experts, and they'll be doing this webinar on August 25th at 11.30 a.m. So you can go to mosbybuildingarts.com forward slash seminars and check out the information on it. You can kind of register there that you want to be a part of it or whatever, and then you just kind of tune in that morning, 11.30 on the 25th, and you can learn everything exteriors, everything about the outside of your house from the Mosby experts. So siding, windows, roofing, and doors, learn it all right there. So I think we will get into our middle of the hour break here. And uh, we've got plenty of time, plenty of topics. And if you got anything going, feel free to keep the phone calls coming. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I will be here. We got an hour and a half left. So Looking forward to uh, hearing from everybody, and we'll be right back after these messages. There's a new member joining the Missouri Broadcasters Hall of Fame. A swing and a high Inducted Cardinals broadcaster John Rooney. It's a gunner. Congratulations, John, from the other voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. All right, here we go back. And, um, you know, during the break, we got a call in from 
Ed, who was uh, a question last week, and he just he just stopped in to tell us that you know everything we talked about last week and the advice given is actually working for him with his toilet and everything, and how well it's it's been working for the past week. So that is awesome. I love hearing you know the feedback. I, I love when you know I, I know that it's working, and you know being helpful and a good advisor is actually functioning for people out there. It is truly a great feeling and it's why we do what we do. So, you know, I am Rich Orris filling in here for Scott on the uh, Helitech Home Improvement Show. And, uh, you know, we had a call in and one of my topics I was going to kind of go over if I have time anyways was, um, you know, patios versus decks. And we had a call from Robin, you know, talking about, you know, her patio and, it's concrete now and, you know, can she put something on top of that or is it better to, you know, tear that out? And so here at Mosby, we we try and give a really lot of good information. So, you know, like the webinar I was just talking about, well, we have, you know, blogs that we put out quite often and you can go to our website and see and find, you know, all of this great information at callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com. And it's really just about getting some good thoughts and, and great information out there. So our latest one, you know, the patio versus the deck. And when you look at kind of those two areas, those two subjects on what is best to put on the back of your house, what's going to work for you? What are you looking to get out of it? You know, and sometimes this the house can actually stipulate what is the best thing to do. But, you know, kind of talking about that patio with Robin, when we look at patios, of course, they're usually lower. You can get some more privacy out of them, you know, being a step or two down and, and you know, getting some, some shrubs and different things around there. Um, a higher up deck, you know, easier to walk out on, can be level with the door, um, can get you a better view sometimes overlooking things, but maybe a little less privacy because of, you know, a little more out in the open from people around looking at it. So they're both, they serve very similar purposes in what they're meant to do, but, you know, the fundamentals of what they do are, you know, and how they're done is is definitely extremely different. And, you know, so when you look at those, those different ways to do it and why, you know, we tend to look a lot at the house and kind of go, okay, well, what are the circumstances, you know, what, how big of an area, what are you trying to do and really determine in, in, even in how the house is built, what might be the best and what might really work out the best for you in that situation. Um, so sometimes when the house is really low to the ground and when the, you know, there's not a lot of steps up into the house, you know, decks that are too close to the ground can be problematic um, out of wood. They can, rot out a lot faster. You know, the ground has a ton of moisture in it. So battling moisture, just like we were talking about with Robin, with the moisture getting in the concrete and causing the pops and the freeze thaw and the different things happening. Well, kind of the reverse with decks, you cap over the ground with a deck. And if you can't get a lot of air underneath there, you're going to trap that moisture. You're going to hold it in there and you're going to rot that deck out from, from the bottom through um, and even when they put good protection on top of it and everything, it's literally rotting from the bottom up. So, and when you get into, so you say, okay, well, let's do that low deck with some good composite 
materials or something that's you know not supposed to rot. Well, all those things can still be affected by moisture in in a way of you know warping and moving and changing and things like that. So when you look at the type of composite materials, PVC materials and stuff, you want to read really, really good into what they kind of stipulate the best situation for using them are because a lot of them will actually say you need so much space underneath that deck for airflow, it will actually eliminate the warranty on some composite deck floors. And I've seen it happen where, you know, they're warping and there's things going wrong with the deck floor and they take one look at it and they're like, nope, it's like eight inches off the ground. That is not enough room for air. It is not, you know, it's kind of like your attic getting air, getting ventilation. You need all these, the houses to do all this stuff to work and function. So the decks can be the same way. So sometimes you're just kind of into a patio for those reasons to, to get, lasting, you know, longer lasting value out of it. And um, so how you do some of those patios, you know, very important, dependent on that material, you know, kind of like we were talking, when you're doing that stone, when you're doing a stone that's going to be mortared down, I would absolutely always prefer to get some concrete underneath that. And, you know, so if price matters, sometimes it's like buying two patios. Imagine, you come in, you dig it out 10 inches deep, you put in your four inch rock, compact all that, put a four inch thick concrete patio on top of that. And then you cover it with your stone patio. You know, well, a concrete can be a patio. So there, there's decisions there. So sometimes you might say, well, do you go to like a stamped concrete that gets that look because you're pouring concrete anyways to get, you know, the best thing. Or if you're getting into those actual pavers, you know, between 10 and 16 inches down, there's, there's some companies out there that will literally go 12 to 16 inches down with that compacted stone crushed rock base with the sand and everything on top of it to really get a good thick base. When they do driveways, they're like a 16 minimum, um, you know, cause you got the weight of a car and everything on that paver. So the, the deeper, the better you do that base, everything you do is as good as its base. It will only last as well as that base that's underneath it. Whether it's a deck, if it's too close to the base, it won't last as well. If you do do a minimal base with the stone and the sand and, and you put pavers on it, it's probably going to move more often than if you go deeper, thicker, 10, 12 inches. Um, so that is all very, very important. Now, when you think of decks and patios also, you know, you, you got to start thinking about permitting. When you get into decks, you know, it's the, it, you're attaching to the structure of the house. You're holding up a structure. You know, a lot of patios don't really require permitting for digging out a hole in the ground and, and pouring, you know, concrete and rock and stuff like that in it. You know, those inspections are for everybody's, good use and protection to make sure things are done well, done right. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at, well, I'll do a patio cause I don't need ex inspections. Well, it, it's, it's good to have that stuff. And I would check with your municipality either way, whether it's a patio, a deck, whatever you're doing and just make sure, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Do we need permits 
Um, a lot of patios you won't, but I'm telling you, like Robin was looking at and asking the question, do your research, get yourself educated, and make sure they're doing it a really, really good way and look into it and ask and and find out because I've seen, I've tore out driveways that were right on top of the dirt and didn't even have a rock base. Um, and you, now we're like, well, no wonder it was moving and cracking and falling all around and stuff. And sometimes, you know, it could take five years to see that go bad like that. But, you know, who wants a driveway or a patio that's only going to last five years? So you really got to do that research and make sure you are getting what's right. And of course, with the decks, you're going to be forced into that, you know, inspections and permits and everything because of the structure, because of holding up a structure. You need, you know, piers that go below the frost line. You need rails that are tall enough that somebody won't fall off if it's, you know, more than a certain amount off the ground. There's all these stipulations to how that deck gets built. But either way, you know, it's a good investment. It's a, it could be a large investment up front, and you really want to make sure you do it well so you get a lot of lasting value out of it and increase, you know, your home's value at the same time which makes, you know, really great selling point for buyers and, and really good for, you know, if you have something that's well, it's in right and you get to enjoy it and use it, but it's still good for that value when you go to sell the house and get more out of it than, you know, wow, that's just two birds with one stone, you know, make sure you get it right. And the other issue, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody listening has heard Scott say a, a million times, you get what you pay for. It always costs more to build it twice if they don't get it right the first time. You know, make sure that you really look into it and make sure they're getting it right and you've got a good quality company for that first time. And speaking of getting it right, if you have any questions like that today for me, I am here. We're going to get into a break here, but we've got another hour and 15 minutes going. So we have plenty of time. So anything you have around your home, anything you're curious like that, feel free to give me a call today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120 from far away. We can answer your questions no matter where you're at, how you're listening. We'll be here for it. So let's get into that break and we'll be right back after these messages. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair, celebrating 50 years. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, welcome back. Rich Orris here filling in for Scott Mosby today. And we have plenty of time Plenty of show left for everybody. So whatever you have going on, give us a shout. 314-436-7900 or from far away, 800-925-1120. We've got everything going on today. Having a blast. So get into the phones. We have Barb on the phones. Has some question about uh, Windows, I believe. Barb, are you with us? Uh, yes, I am, Rich. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for calling. What 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 do you got going on for us? Well, uh, we have a, a 50s brick single-story ranch uh, with a poured concrete basement, and our basement is finished. We're entertaining the idea of placing an egress window. Uh, it would be on the northeast side of our home. 
My okay. question is, how, how, how can we be sure that water is moved away from the house? Um, and also, I know we have to get a permit for it. Yes. How will that, would that installation increase our property tax? And maybe you can't answer that. I might yeah, have city. That's, that's a good question because, um, you know, I would have to think that any, any improvements that you do, um, can increase, you know, increase your property tax. Um, I don't think that that's going to be an improvement that's so much that you're going to really notice it. It's not like, you know, adding on a room addition and more square footage and, you know, stuff like that. And, and return on investment of, uh, you know, projects, you know, aren't aren't as great as they used to be. Um, so, you know, when you look at a job like that and, and you know, they're probably going to add maybe like Five thousand to the value of the house at the most for an egress window. Um, they would probably you know, look at the cost of installation as far as figuring out how much tax to charge us. Yes, property tax. Yep, they would look at the the permit and all that, and and so so it, it would be any increase would be very minimal from that. Now you build a big room addition and you add, you know, 500 square feet onto your home. And I've, I've had the tax guys knocking on the door, wanting to, wanting to look and do some measurements and all this different stuff before we were even done building the thing. And I'm like, gosh, tax guys, like at least let them enjoy it for a day or two, you know, before you come after them. But, um, so yeah, I don't know that that would be that big of a deal for you, and and would really be a make or break situation on how much it increases it. Um, May I ask one more question? Absolutely. How, how long does it normally take for that type of a project? Um, is is the basement finished right now? You said yes. So so that that could be um, you know a, a task that could take two or three weeks to do depending oh. on how you work it out and, and how it you know who does it and how it gets scheduled and everything because Alrighty. not not there's not a lot of companies that will do all of the steps to to doing what needs to be done to get that egress window in or if they do it'll be a whole bunch of subcontractors that do a whole bunch of different tasks because you got to get in through the drywall and the framing and, right. and create the space. You got to cut through the foundation, get everything installed. You've got your landscaping, digging window. Well, so you've, you've literally got about, you know, seven or eight different trades. There might be electrical running through the wall that needs to be moved, you know, all this stuff. So, you could have a lot of different trades in there doing this task. So if it's all subcontracted people, depending on how quickly they can get them in and out, if there's days in between, it could drag out a lot longer than you might like it. Because if they're like, well, we got to move the electric and the electrician, electrician can't be here for a week, then, you know, that could actually drag it out and take much longer. But if you really had, you know, someone like Mosby that would sit there and, and time it out and schedule it and get the people in and out and, you know, do things as much in a row as you can, I would say maybe three weeks would be a good task for that. And 
And the water management question you have falls into kind of the permitting thing also, because now in today's, you know, municipality permitted world, they're going to mandate some sort of drain for that, that window well unit and where you're getting in and out. So it will either need like a gravity drain that, that runs a pipe down the hill and gets rid of any water that gets in there, or it will need if it, if, there isn't a hill steep enough, or, you know, where it's the, they'll require a sump pump outside inside that window well that will pick up any water that gets in it, take it up, take it into a pipe, and then put it away out, you know, further into the yard away from there. So your grading and everything, you want to make sure your yard always pitches away from your home, whether you have that window well or not. So you grade around it, move the the grade downhill away from the new window well, but the city will will make you and the codes will make you put some sort of drain inside that window well today because they know that they just fill up and, and right. You I, end I up would with water inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want an aquarium down there, but all right. Well, uh, thank you. You've answered my question. I appreciate it. Absolutely, no problem. I appreciate you calling in, Barb, and for everyone else out there, we are. Getting close to the end of the first hour, but if you have any questions like that, 314-436-7900 will find me today. And, you know, the other thing I would advise uh, Barb or anybody when you're looking at, you know, an egress, a window well situation like that, if you can manage water outside of the house, you know, there is a solution sometimes where a lot of companies will say, let me get a pipe from that window well and let me bring that in through the you know bottom of the foundation wall and put it into your interior sump pit and sump pump you know and, and drainage lines inside the basement and I would just always if you can stray from that anytime you you know you don't want to bring that water in recirculate it back out if you can handle it from the outside gravity drain is absolutely if possible the best way to go just get it running away get it working with gravity running downhill and and you will be so much better off in the end if that is possible if not just handle it outside with that sump pump and and manage that and you'll have maintenance you'll have to watch that pump make sure check it every year you're going to want to pour some water in there make sure it's running you're going to want to change it every you know, five, six, seven years, something like that, especially outside, you want to stay on top of that because they do go bad and stop working a lot more often outside. So keep your eye on any kind of mechanical thing outside like that. So we're going to get into our middle of the show break here and then we will return after that. Feel free again to give us a call 314-436-7900. 